Welcome to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us as we study the Word of God together. Go get your Bible and let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. All right, 16, verse 10. Go ahead. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So what do y'all think about that? One who is faithful in little is faithful in much. One who is dishonest in little is dishonest in much. And I think sometimes, what do y'all think about that? Is that a true statement? Mm -hmm. Yes. So in other words, if I can't trust you with my pennies, you can't trust them with the dollars, right? And a lot of times I've heard people say, if I had more to be trusted with, I'd do better. But that's not true. Because greed will kick in and say, well, I can do this and then they're going to be more given to me. Okay? So we have to understand, faithful with a little. And see, I'm glad they said just little. We're not just talking about money. We're talking about with anything. You know, if I can't be faithful, if you can't be faithful in the small things, even of, let's say, this church, simple stuff, I can't afford to put you before the people. If you're not faithful in your studying, I should not put you before the people because what you're telling me is you care about more yourself and standing in front of people having the prime time than you do about the people. From this day forward, I don't want anytime somebody get up and tell you they haven't studied, they haven't prepared, I want y'all to look at me and say, Pastor, so I can come get their microphone. Because that's so disrespectful. Because what you're telling me is you didn't care enough about the people that you're gonna talk to. You weren't faithful in the little part, but you want the glamour, so-called, of preaching, and then you want to say, the Lord gonna give you what to say. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says is when you're brought before the magistrates, the judges, the people that's going to persecute you for the gospel's sake, he said, in that hour, I will give you what to say. On the other end, he says, study to show thyself approved. So don't never, ever, that's not a cute thing to say before people. I haven't studied because that's what you mean. You haven't been faithful in the little part and you want to elevate into the, to the mainstream part, okay? All right, go ahead. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So what he's saying is, if if I can't trust you, if you can't be trusted with somebody else's, you can't be trusted with another person's. You can't be trusted with your own. He's saying, if it's like this. Sister Brown, if you give me something and you see that I'm not trustworthy with what you've given me, how is it that if Carol is supposed to give me something and she sees I'm not trustworthy with your stuff, why would she give me something? Even though I might have earned it, she might like, you can't be trusted with it. Okay? So these are the things that we have to get. We have to get that, that a lot of times people give us stuff that entrust us with stuff or in finance called fiduciary duties. And that we need to understand that God's principle is we need to be as faithful with somebody else's stuff to prove that we can be faithful with our own. Okay. One of the things God has trust, entrusted us with to be faithful to is the gospel. He's given us the gospel 
to be being trusted with. He's given us his son to be entrusted with. And like I said, you're not going to go to hell because you sinned. You're going to go over to hell because you didn't take what would take care of sin for you. You're not going to be just, you, see, the, the sin is not, is not the fruit, the thing, the adultery, the fornication, the stealing. That's the fruit of sin. The root of sin is you're born in this, you're shaped in this, and then you have your proclivity to certain sins. And Jesus provided a remedy that you can have right relationship with God, and he entrusts you with the gospel, and you don't do nothing with it. It's like the story of talents. He doesn't give anybody a talent that he doesn't expect a return on. Amen. You go, he go, I gave you this. I gave you five. Well, he understands. If I give you five... He's already prepared you to be entrusted with five and double up on that five. Okay? Don't be like he gave me only one thing to do and I decided not to do it. Okay? Because that means you're not going to have any reward. You're still saved. See, we're not dealing with salvation. We're dealing with rewards now. Okay? The, bemis, the judgment seat that we're going to go to is the judgment seats for rewards. Okay? Not to be... Anything that's not of God is going to be taken away. And then it's not a thing of, I got all this stuff and it's going to be taken away. It's what's going to be taken away is not can't come to heaven. No way. It's going to be, I'm going to eliminate it down to what you've done for me. So you can come on and get your reward. So whatever doesn't fit, not going to come. But what fits will come and you'll get rewarded for it. And again, some people, whatever the reward is, some people have a lot. Some people have little, but they all are saved. Okay, they all are saved because we all are trying to build our heavens and build our treasure in heaven where no one can steal and moth and rust cannot destroy. Okay, we're all trying to do that. And that comes in doing good works, being faithful with a little. It all plays into each other. All right, go ahead. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Why? Why can't you serve God and money? Anybody? Why can't you serve God and money? I feel maybe. Uh, Speak up. I feel because then you start focusing on the money more so than what the Lord is trying to say to you. Okay, that's true. Anybody else? Why can't I have it both ways? You can have it both ways if you don't have to separate. Uh, have know how to separate correct for example i can god does not say that we have to be poor everyone has to be poor financially financially right you can be but if the money is the main focus of your life then you're not focused on god yeah okay so there has to be a balance you have to be focused on god and God will bless you with, mm -hmm. you know, with those, just, just like we said before, mm -hmm. he can bless you with more mm -hmm. being focused on him okay. than, rather than the money. So I can have riches and God, but it depends on my, where my faithful, my faith is focused on. Right. My stewardship is focused on. Yes. Because of, of what, what he's saying, to me, this is what he's saying. If you be faithful to God and the things of God, it is an easier thing to be faithful with your money. But if you start with your focus on the money, it pushes God out the way. Yeah. And we all been there. I mean, I have. You know what? When I, um, I, I was not working for a while, and I was able to study more 
and do those things. And I had to sit back and just look at myself. It's like nothing has stopped in my household. Those things that needed to be paid were still paid. Things were still going. And then I had more time with God. And I had to sit back and observe the whole situation. What's going on here? I'm giving more time to him. And you're not missing out on nothing. You're not missing out on anything. I was didn't miss yeah. a beat. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, I, and I found, and all of us probably this room found out to be true. When I am giving God his steward, if I am being a good steward to what God has given me to bless me, as far as his spirit, as far as his work, the assignment he's given me, everything else is taken care of. But there is a scripture that says that it's seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And, he, and all this stuff will be added to you. So, and in the simple terms is, if you seek me, who is the provider of this stuff, I'll give you the resources because I'm the source of the resource. Amen. Amen. We worship the source, the resource, the money, the things. You, God going to bless you the house. And I mean, we go on and on and on with people who are talking about the material things, not understanding everything that's made from, that's, that we can see, touch, smell, and feel, and hear comes from God who is invisible. It belongs to him. The Bible says, what do you have that you have not received? You haven't earned nothing. nothing. <laughs> it's a blessing to receive from God. And once you get everything in its proper order, if God is first and you're stewarding things of God, he said, I'll, I'll take care of all of that. Because yeah. I know what you need. That's right. And again, sometimes I'll give you what you want. Yeah. And sometimes I'll give you what you want to prove to you that you didn't want it for real. You know, you just wanted wanted it to show, but then he says, "See, I, God will give you stuff to show you that you didn't want it for the right reason." Amen. You know, He'll let you have some things materially to show you that that thing that you want will pull you away from Me. You know, but and, and again, He's such a good and gracious God, a long suffering God that that even when you do that, being a child of God, He's just doing stuff and He'll bring you back into line. He wants you. He wants all of us at any point in time to come to ourselves like the prodigal son. Think about this. The prodigal son was not good with the with the with the wealth that was given to him by his father. What he do? Spending on women and wine and fun, and then found himself sitting there as a Jewish guy eating with the pigs. Well, there's a consequences to every decision you make, but when you make a decision that is predicated upon the principles of God, you can never fail. Never fail. I, I've been walking with God long enough that now says He's trustworthy. <laughs> He's trustworthy. I trust him more than I trust anybody in this room. In myself, yeah. I trust him more than I trust myself. Yeah, you're right. Because he's faithful. We're learning how to be faithful, but he is what we're becoming. He's conforming us into his image. So good stewardship of our money, our time, the way we deal with each other has to be a part of our walk with Christ. Okay? Go ahead. 14. 14. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. So in other words, haven't you, see, when you're a saint of God and you put God first, the world going to talk about you. That's right. The Pharisees were lover of, don't mess up my game. You know how sometimes I get to talk about all the things and pastors be doing to steal y'all money? That's, that's, what, that, that's what I get rid of. You messing up our game. How you going to run a church with no offering time? Easy, just give good people good ministry. Let them decide how much they want to sow. You mean you ain't telling them that God's going to press it down, shake it around, and throw it over their shoulder? No. 
I'm telling them that they need to get saved. And if they take care of God's business, God will handle their business. And sometimes when you're handling God's business, he'll show up just because he wants to prove to you. You can't outgive him. But you don't force people in a thing where you think it's like a slot machine. I'm going to put two quarters in, God, and I'm going to expect you to wait for the Holy Ghost to give me more. That ain't how that worked. But the Pharisees, lovers of money, <laughs> they ridiculed Jesus. And this is what I keep trying to tell people. Every time you see the Pharisees show up, think about this. Jesus is really long-suffering with them. He could just like, you know what, I'm done with y'all. But he's always talking to them. He's always trying to convince leadership to get back in line. Because he understood if, if the Pharisees who understood the letter of the law would get into the spirit of the law, this process would have been a lot easier. Okay? But he but then he's just proving, you know, God will give you enough rope to hang yourself. And that's what he's doing with the Pharisees. Either they're going to prove that they understand the things of God or they're going to hang themselves. And as we know the end story, they hung themselves in the sense of they were the main ones trying to kill him because he had busted up their game. He was everything different than what they thought the Messiah would be. And it interrupted with their riches, their wealth. The Pharisees, their lovers of money. That's why they wore the nice robes. Okay, go ahead. I, I just want to say, go ahead. I'll get to it, but I'll say nothing. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So in other words, you spend a whole bunch of time trying to tell me how holy you are. How righteous you are. How much God, you are authority for God. You're a gatekeeper. You exalt yourself. God did not exalt you. You exalted yourself. Remember what Pastor Sim said at the banquet, which I thought was profound at a time. He said, there's so many ministers that have called themselves to this ministry and they're living under the curse. Remember he said that? He talked about ministers who call themselves to this and they're living under the curse. And it's the curse of, of the Pharisees. You, have, you are so ambitious in this. That you believe that you are that you called yourself to this, and now you're in a situation whereas you're not living under the anointing, you're living under the curse. All right, go ahead. This is Brown. Okay. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to to become void. Go ahead. Into the divorce and remarriage. No. Well, the, the, the dot is just a symbol that's on, on Jewish letters. Like like if you ever look at Jewish writing, there's sometimes there's a hook or a dot or a tittle. It's, it's in their writings. And what he's saying is that the law in itself, the way the law is presented, nothing will change in the law. The law hasn't changed as of today. The only thing that has changed is we have someone who fulfilled it which is Jesus Christ. And see, we don't approach the law in the sense like other like Jews do. We approach it through Jesus Christ. We are grafted in to, to the righteousness. We have imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. He kept the law for us, the law that we couldn't keep or they couldn't keep. They haven't come to the conclusion yet that nothing's going to change in law no matter how much they try to change it, no matter how they try to modify it. The law is the law. The law condemns. It can never save. And they still need a savior. 
okay? Everybody, have you, have you met people who will set up a rule for you but then don't follow it themselves? That's the Pharisees. That's most people. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what's good, right, and holy, and then all you got to do is peek around the corner, and I'm doing the thing that I told you not to do, okay? As saints of God, we need to understand that if the law says X is X, we don't modify it for 2023 because this is a society that we live in. The law is the law, okay? It cannot change. It cannot be modified. Its penalty is death. Its penalty is separation from God. That's what it is. But we have a savior that saved us from the wrath of God and the penalty of the law through his death, burial, and resurrection. He paid the final cost of the following the law, which was his death. But he defeated, he defeated death by being, he, raised, he was raised again for our justification. So the law was, was fulfilled and his penalty was satisfied. And now we live in the power of the resurrection, which now we have imputed righteousness to walk on our life and, and just ex, observe the law on this. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's all you have to do. Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't steal, will you? If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to covet their stuff. So if you read the Ten Commandments, you'll find out if you love God and you love your neighbor, that takes care of all ten. Okay? That takes care of all ten. Okay. Now, this is weird what we're about to come up with because I don't know why this is thrown in here. But it's like he shifted gears for a minute. Because we're talking about stewardship. Now he's going to go into marriage. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Get into that section. I, as I said uh, in fifteen, mm -hmm. and he says, and he said to them, "You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts." And I, when I was doing my study, and I just thought about how much we do that. We know those people know those false prophets and preachers, and even the Pharisees. They know how. People, you know, people are just so caught up in the things of the world, the riches, the clothes, the glamour, the cars, you know, whatever. And so they fed into that. Yeah. And, you know, and everyone looked at them and put them up on a pedestal. But deep down inside, they were just rotten. Yeah. And their whole focus was them. And they were so very self-righteous. So all of that stuff um, really doesn't matter to God. God doesn't care about that. God wants you, your heart. And not your riches. Mm -hmm. And they were just caught up on that and they just continually exalted themselves and put other people down. But today we, we feed into that. Mm -hmm. You know, we see the preachers with the big cars and like, ooh, ooh, and we look at that stuff and, and as blessings mm -hmm. instead of It could be a curse. Yeah. You know, we, we don't we won't know how God deals with that, but you're so right. And you can't blame them. See, they're just like the unjust steward. They understood the nature of man. Okay? They understood that the unjust steward, what he do? He took what was owed to his master, and he probably already upped it. He lowered it back down to make them think that they're getting a deal. And he said, because I'm giving them a deal, once I'm fired, they're going to like me. Well, same thing with the Pharisees. They knew how to manipulate people and get them to understand, to get them to the point where they were the focus. And they claimed to represent God, but they didn't. They represented themselves. As we see, they are lovers of money. They're lovers of prestige. They want the chief seats. 
They want to be recognized. They always want to talk. They always want somebody to, uh, as Pastor Lee said, so, you know, you get you they they get to want to say, I I want to carry your Bible. I want an entourage to walk in. You know, you walk in first, and then you, or they walk in first, open the door for you, and you walk in like you some kind like some kind of glamour person, and then they carry your Bible, your water. They even carry your handkerchief up to the pulpit, and they set it all out for you, and and then they do the they get everybody hyped for you, and here you come, and the minute you start sweating, somebody run up and wipe the sweat off your forehead. That's that's too much showmanship. That has nothing to do with God. That has nothing to do with God. That has something to do with man and what people want to see. All right? All right, Sister Brown, go ahead when you get your hand. 18. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. And again, I'm not going to, we'll deal with that a little later. I'm not going to deal with that because then we'd have to go in the Old Testament and look at some things that I'm not going to deal with. Like I say, it's kind of weird that this is here. I don't, you know, I still haven't found any adequate understanding of why you put this here now. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't understand that. Tell me when you're ready, Sister Brown. You can go ahead. Okay, Kiko, ain't going to be long, babe. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who fested sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores. Who desired to be fed with what he felt, what he, with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off. So now we have a situation. He's to, he and this is not a parable, because parables normally don't or don't they don't have any names. So this has a name. His name is Lazarus. Okay, so this is a story, and Jesus is telling the story. He's saying, "Look, there was this man, rich man. There's this man named Lazarus. Lazarus was a poor beggar. He had to labor outside of the rich man's do domain. Rich man would pass him every day, would ignore him. He was so poor, so destitute that the dogs came and licked his sores every day." Both the rich man and the Lazarus died. Must be around the same time. And the Lazarus, the man who had nothing, the man who wanted even the crumbs from the master's table, couldn't get that. He was carried away. And so that lets you know that, that even though you may have a life of poverty and affliction, God will still save you. You may not get it on this side. Okay? You may live a life... Whereas you suffer a lot. But if you live a godly life, even in your suffering, there is a reward for you. He's taken away and he's taken to heaven in Abraham's bosom. Okay? Now, the rich man, he's, he's in Hades. And there's like four different names for hell. But he's in Hades. And we know that he's in the place of what? Torment. Okay? So he's in the place of torment. Lazarus in the place of rest, all right? So we're going to get a lesson on hell right now, all right? And the reason why the man, why is the man, do you think, why is he in Hades? Based upon what we read about being a steward. Why do you think he's in Hades? What we learned about being a steward. What did he probably do with his money? 
Huh? He wasn't a good steward with his money. He didn't share his money. He didn't care about the poor. He didn't care about the things of God. He lived his life. He got his bag. Okay, he lived the way he wanted to live. Okay, as we're going to see, God's going to say, you got everything on this side. Okay, you, 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 you push God out the way and you focus on your money and your riches and you live like it. You pass the poor up every day and he probably was the only poor person laying there, but you paid no attention to him. You just walked on by and you know you had more than enough. He was kind of like the man when the other story would have said the man that had, he said, well, I'm great to be married, be happy, be bigger, a bigger boy. Yeah. Just selfish. Just yeah, all yeah. About selfish. So, 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 in other words, being a good steward means that you're not selfish with what God has given you. All right, you're willing to share. All right. So he tells a story. Go ahead, Sister Brian. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Now, so now think about this. You still want comfort from the man who didn't have nothing. So can, can you send Lazarus, who I pass by every day, can to the cup to a cup of water, dip his finger in it, and bring it down to me in hell? Th think about that. You've ignored this man all this time. You can see. Now think about this. This lets you know. Those of you who are gonna go to hell, you gonna know that you in hell. Ain't no thing you gonna die and wake up in hell and be like, I don't remember my life. Uh-uh, you gonna get reminded of why you there. Yes. Okay? Because he's he's remind he he's looking up at Lazarus like, hey, we in the wrong position, ain't we? <laughs> but no. Can you tell Lazarus the bum? The can he go dip his? And obviously, whatever was wrong with Lazarus, once he's in God's presence, ain't nothing wrong with him no more. Cause how he gonna dip his finger in anything when he could when he was an invalid? So can you dip his finger and come on down here in the place of torment and, and give put a drop of water? Think, I can't imagine being so thirsty that I just want a drop. You know what? That man still a very arrogant, prideful spirit. You still want something from somebody that, like, you king of all, still even in hell. Yep, he's still trying to pull, he's still trying to call the shots. All right, go ahead. But Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. See, he said, remember. Mm -hmm. he, he, look at Abraham, he's so nice. He said, child, remember when you, in your lifetime and your lifestyle, the way you was living, you received nice things. And then what happens, Sister Brown? And Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. And Lazarus was on the other side of the tracks. You were the halves. Lazarus was the have-nots, okay? But think about it. The have and the have-nots still need Jesus. Amen. The have and the have-nots still need a Savior. Amen. The have and the have-nots going to still die. Yeah. Unless what you do here, you're going to remember what you did, okay? Go ahead. But, he had, but he's reminding him, look, you put yourself down there because remember you had good things. You didn't take care. You weren't a good steward. You didn't care about the poor. Go ahead. You're in the middle, so I know. Go ahead. Yeah. And Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chas chas chasm. Chasm. Okay, chasm. Mm -hmm. 
has been fixed in order that those been has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. Is that yeah. So in other words, what he's saying is if you go down there, you can't go up there. And those who are up there can't go down there. So for all you people out here talking about y'all listen, people talking about they've been to heaven and hell, there's a lie. He just told you there's a great chasm. If you end up down there, ain't no coming back. If you end up up there, you ain't going to want to go down there. He says, so it's fixed. The Bible says it's fixed. So that means this is a law that don't change like gravity. If you in heaven, you're not going to hell. If you in hell in a torment place, you don't have access to heaven. But the thing we can see, you can see it. You, can, you can't go, but he can see Abraham and Lazarus in heaven. And Abraham and Lazarus can see him in hell. But they can't go back and forth. So again, I'm going to say all these liars that y'all reading and stuff, talking about they had five days in hell and 10 seconds in hell, and they tell you about, and if you notice, hell is always different depending on whose story you're listening to, and heaven is always different depending on whose story you're listening to. See, you want the sensationalism, but you don't want to see what the Bible, the Bible says, you can't curse, cross back and forth. You dead, you dead. Okay? And again, we, medical death, don't mean nothing. If God wants you alive, he'll bring you back to life. They can declare people dead. What they clearly no brain function, no, no, no heartbeat, but then God will bring them back to life, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they ain't crossed over into that to, to, to come back. They they are whatever it's so mysterious, you know, it's not even worth talking about. But this is a you're dead, then he's dead, you can't go back and forth. All right? Go ahead. And he said. Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. So he's still trying to get Lazarus to do something for him. <laughs> so, 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 I want Lazarus, the servant, my servant on earth, to be my servant in heaven, and I'm in hell, and I want him to go back and tell my brothers, my five brothers about the, the situation I'm in so they can change. So they can change. Okay? They can change. I believe that if he goes... Now, now think about this. He still... Okay, if he went back, he's still going back as Lazarus, the unfortunate. The beggar. The beggar. Why would his brothers even listen to him? Oh, because the assumption is going to be is, well, he's going to come back as a ghost and scare them into doing right. Right. All right? <laughs> And that's not how that worked. All right, go ahead. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So, and he's, and so what he's saying is, you have alive ministers that they're not going to listen to. Why do you believe that if somebody comes back from the dead, that you're going to listen to them? You think about this. 
There's a period of time where God has you fixed on this earth to listen to the men and women of God that he places you among. If you don't listen to them, once you get to Hades, it's too late. Once you get to the hell of the Department of Torment, it's too late. And as bad as you may want them, yo, them to go back and, 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 and somebody to go back and tell your people, that ain't how this work. Then there's nothing to go tell them. They have to deal with in the time frame God has them here. And whatever they decide to accept or not to accept as far as Jesus Christ and his salvation will determine whether they'll end up like that or not. The rich man did, was rich in the things of this world and had no, no room for God. And But now he wants, he believes that if a ghost go back, he can save his brothers. The only thing he can save his brothers is if they accept Lord Jesus in the preaching of the gospel and get on their knees and get their life to Christ. That's the only thing that can save them. But the ghost coming back to preach you the gospel is not going to help. That's not going to help them. Matter of fact, let's think about a man that came back alive, the other Lazarus, that Jesus loved, when he brought him back from death, guess what they want to do to him? They want to kill him. They didn't want to receive what he had to say. They wanted to kill him. So that doesn't guarantee because a ghost come. You know, and talking to ghosts is called necromancer, and you don't need to be doing that. Because you might be dealing with a familiar spirit. It's not your mama. It's not your grandmama. It's a, probably a demon. It's probably a demon. It's probably a demon. A familiar spirit. Yeah, they know, they know everything about granny and all of that. But again, what we just heard learned. If, she, if, if your mother's in heaven, she can't come back here. So it has to be a demon trying to trick you. And most people, when you hear most stories of people talking to these familiar spirits, and as they keep talking to them, something begins to change about that thing, and that thing begins to expose itself as not as the person you thought they were. Why would, why would you know, Sister, Mother Pearson and Mother Gans want to come back here? Amen. They at peace. Amen. Why Mother Sutton want to come back here? Papa Sutton, y'all parent, why they want to come back here? Mm. They done, they, they done went on the glory. You want them, yeah. They want to come back here? They got peace. They got peace. No more bills, no more pain. Yeah. With Jesus, and they want, and you and, and you selfish enough, you want them to come back here, and that's how them devils get you. Yeah. You so wrapped up in their flesh, not being happy that they're going on the glory. I need them here. No, you don't. If you didn't receive the, hold on, what did that thing say? If you didn't receive the lesson while they was here, why are you going to think they gonna, ghosts going to come back, they ghosts going to come back and tell you something? You had them for 50, 60 years. And if you haven't understood what they was trying to teach you through their absence, sending back a spirit of them is not going to help you none. Okay? All right, go ahead, Sister Brown. We almost done. All right, so we're done. All right, so we'll pick up at 17 next week. And again, what we want to understand in this is the, it ended with stewardship again. The rich man, part of having wealth, material wealth, money, is the ability to share it. If God has blessed you to be rich, he wants you to share it, to glorify him. Okay? The story of the widow's might is not a story about Christian giving. The story of the widow's might is about a system that will take a widow's last. All that she had to live on in hopes in the system to take care of her. But if the system was going to take care of her, why would she have to give her last? The system would see that she's poor and say, mother, you don't have to give that. We're going to give to you. 
But the Pharisees and them love money so much and the priests love money so much, they want every dime and every quarter. Even from a widow who gave her own last and tell her, God, God, hold up, you give your last and the only thing they got for you is God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. <laughs> and you sitting there with your electric off. You sitting there with your four house yeah. foreclosed on, your car repossessed because you felt that giving your money to the pastor and the church was so important that they 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 told you that God is going to take care of that. And God said, I already gave you the money to take care of that. You weren't supposed to take that over there to them. <laughs> you supposed to take care of the business that I, I answered your prayer. You, your car note was was a thousand dollars. And you took out a hundred and gave it to the pastor, and now you you gave him nine hundred. The people say we still want your car. Yeah. So you know, be a good steward in your faith. Be a good steward with your time. Be a good steward with your money, and be a good steward towards each other. And always, I'm gonna say this: consider others more significant than yourself, and you will never go wrong. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday Worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon.